Welcome to the Catholic Foodie Show on Real Life Radio. You supported Real Life Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Young, and I want to encourage you to uh, to go to uh, realliferadio.com and check out the Care to Share link there. You know, Care to Share is all about community, unity, and opportunity, and you can find out who you are over there on You Supported Real Life Radio. Uh, today, a uh, very exciting day today. Today is uh, Thursday, and uh, we have, actually, today's not Thursday, today's Wednesday. Day. I can't believe it. I'm getting my days mixed up. I'm very excited because we have a, a friend of mine who's going to join us on the show today. I'm reaching back once again into the archives of the Catholic Foodie uh, podcast to pull this um, this interview out for you. Uh, Marcel Bienvenu is going to join us today. Uh, Marcel is uh, probably most her most uh, famous book or popular book is um, Who's Your Mama? Are You Catholic? And Can You Make a Rue? She's going to be joining us today to talk about uh, summer cooking. And uh, this interview first uh, aired on the Around the Table Food Show on uh, Catholic Community Radio in Baton Rouge and New Orleans. Uh, David Dawson uh, is my co-host on that show, and he joins me in uh, this particular uh, interview. Marcel is is always such a delight. It's such a joy to to talk with her. What a classy woman, and she has uh, so many good stories and, and good tips and ideas for uh, for summer cooking here in South Louisiana and, and probably also in your neck of the woods. So uh, without further ado, let me introduce you to my friend, uh, Marcel Bienvenu. Well, I tell you what, uh, I'm looking forward to this show because this show uh, brings back a, an old friend of mine. And, well, I, uh, I know. I tell you, I, I've one of my inspirations that when it comes to cooking and be, being in the kitchen yeah. and, and, of course, just our Louisiana heritage, you know, this is like one of my, my mentors, uh, yeah. in a way, one of my inspirations. We, we've got Marcel Bienvenu on the show today. Marcel Bienvenu and the cookbook uh, that is my favorite. I just love the title because it says it all. Who's your mama? Are you Catholic? And can you make a roux? Hey, Marcel. Hi, Dave. Hi, Jeff. Hey, how you doing? Good, good. I just, I still can't get over the cookbook. It just, it just blows my mind after this many years. How many prints have you had of this cookbook? How many what? Uh, printings of this cookbook have you had? Uh, oh my gosh, I think it's in the fifth printing. Wow, no. And kidding. there's a book two that came out later, and it, it's all just also doing well. Really? And then I, you know, I did a couple of years. Ago, well, not quite two years ago, I did the Nobaloni on my boat. Uh-huh, no baloney right. yep. on my boat. I love okay. it. Fun. <laughs> that's a fun, fun one. I like that name too because that's just one of the staples when I go fishing. <laughs> well, that's, that's what that was the deal. Whenever we would go out on the boat, my father would have a checklist. Yeah. And he would not leave the pier until he had gone through the checklist. And it was always a pound of baloney, uh, you know, Benjamin made bread, uh, boiled eggs that were in a jar uh, with salt and pepper, you know, a tin of Vienna sausage, a tin of sardines. And a, and a, a sleeve of uh, saltine crackers. Oh, I goodness. mean, he was religious. I mean, he could leave his uh, bait oh. and rod and reel, but if you didn't have that on the boat, you were out of luck. Well, I mean, everything you said is, is bringing a tear to my eye. That's that's that was our menu. Oh my gosh! I mean, golly, especially the Vienna sausage and the and, and the but sleeve the, of saltine. The name came about was uh, several years ago. We, we uh, well for several years we went uh, with about ten boats. We would leave in Lake Charles and go to uh, Galveston by way of the intercoastal. Coastal Canal. Yeah. And we would always stop at the Sabine to have lunch. And one year, my brother, 
who also wouldn't, you know, had the same list as Daddy, said, would you be in charge of the food for lunch? I said, be happy to. So I'd made a gazpacho. I had grilled some um, little beef tenderloins. We had potato <laughs> salad. You know. So when I put it all on, he said, where's the bologna? I said, there's no bologna on the boat. He went, we're going home. Oh, wow. So this, they were very religious about that. Well, now, 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 what kind of recipes do you have in this book? It's easy. Well, what I tell you to do, it, it doesn't matter what kind of boat you have. Right. And you have to know your limitations. If you just have an ice chest, yeah. I tell you a few things that you can make ahead and bring. Okay. Or if you have a bigger boat that you might have a little, you know, maybe a bigger boat that has a little uh, 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 cooktop. Yeah, gotcha. Some other things. But a lot of things to prepare in advance. And you can use it not only for boating, but for backyard uh, parties or, you know, by the pool. Or uh, I've even found some people that use it when they go camping. Yeah. So it's just easy, fun stuff for the summer. What if you have a boat like Jeff's where you have a personal chef? Uh, what if you, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm the personal chef. Yeah, I'm my own it. personal chef. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, and, and really getting back to this, uh, who's your mama? Are you Catholic? Can you make a rule? I mean, that that I'm sure is still a, a bestseller. Just the title itself, uh, kind of. Yes, it, it's enjoying a good long run. And I guess every once in a while, uh, I get calls from different parts of the United States, and either they have happened onto it while visiting the area, yeah. or somebody has given it to them. So it's been around the world. I even got a note from a lady in Ireland last summer. Somebody from uh, Lafayette had stayed at her bed and breakfast and left their copy for her. <laughs> so anyway, it's been everywhere. Well, if anybody needs good food, it's Ireland. So I'm glad they left that <laughs> book there. <laughs> well, you know, you know, Marcel, in addition to the books that you've written yourself, you've worked on several other projects, too. I remember just a few years back after Katrina, yeah. uh, you did something uh, with the Times-Picayune. Yeah, huh? Cooking Up a Storm. And that was really a community effort. You know, after the storm, everybody was calling in to the paper looking for recipes they had lost. Uh, or, you know, and uh, they'd lost all their cookbooks. And, I mean, it was really uh, sad. And what prompted the people at the Picayune to think about doing a book, because this poor lady had sent a picture of her, of her with two broken legs and her daughter trying to pin their recipes on a clothesline. Oh, my goodness. And so wow. we started a thing called Exchange Alley, so that if you lost such a recipe but I had it, I could give it to you. Oh, okay. So it was really a big community effort of people trying, we were trying to mix, mix, uh, you know, join people together so that they could get the recipes that they were missing. Mm. And we were very lucky because on the uh, uh, the Louisiana State Library website, mm -hmm. there's some great search engines there. Yeah. So we could go back and find recipes that were in the Picayune 30, 25 years ago. Oh, wow. Of course, uh, the Picayune has a great uh, library as well. So we were able to do a lot of work, uh, research through that. And it was nominated for a James Beard Award, which was very nice. Yeah. We didn't win, but it was a good, good... Um, Pat on the back for everybody that contributed to that book. That's a good cause. I, I use mean, it. I use it a lot. Important. That's important. Yeah. culture. It right? is. Well, you know, it's a great collection of New Orleans dishes, you know, from yeah. restaurants, from people's personal uh, recipe files. It, it really is a story about New Orleans and how important it, how, how important food is. I remember when I was interviewed by, uh, I don't know, LPB or um, NPR, NPR, mm -hmm. saying, if this would, if, this, if Katrina had gone to Utah, nobody had lost any good recipes, I know. <laughs> but, you know, New Orleans, people, you know, find comfort in their food. Yep, yep, it's important. So yeah. for them, you know, right after the storm, the, the best thing that they wanted was a home-cooked meal or a pot of red beans and rice to make them feel better. 
And that was tough, I think, for a lot of the folks who had to leave the city. I mean, they, they, yeah. they scattered. It was like the diaspora. You know, they're mm-hmm. all over the country. And and the thing that we hold so near and dear to our hearts here is, is our food. and our, It's part of our culture. It's part of our family. And when you couldn't even get that? Well, boy. you know, even as we were, everybody was uh, trying to get back after Katrina, we, we were talking to I don't know, some guy in New Orleans, and he said he worked for some one of the construction companies, and he mm. said, everybody wants their kitchen done first. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> To heck with you know, uh, bathrooms and bedrooms, whatever. They want their kitchen. That's right. Because that gave them a comfort, some that, comfort. That makes so much sense. I mean, it's who we are, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Marcel, what you doing nowadays? You're, you're well, I'm still in... teaching at uh, Nichols State University in All the right. John Foles Culinary Institute, yep. which I'm, it's almost five years, and I thought I was only going to be there for a while to help them out because the enrollment has just tripled in the culinary school. I bet it has. And we're on top of each other. We're in a 9,000-square-foot area of one building, and we just broke ground for a new building of 33,000 square feet. Oh, wow. And I told to get with it because I don't want to be in my wheelchair <laughs> by the time they get finished. So I'm, 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 it's going to be a fabulous um, uh, building. It's, it's right on Highway 1 across from Bayou Lafourche. Yeah. It's a beautiful setting. Our bistro will be in there. Uh, we're going to have a retail area so that all of our, uh, our some of our baking goods can be sold. Really? Uh, it's, we're excited about it. I'm, I think it's, I'm thrilled. Okay, so it's teaching, but it would be open to the public for us to go eat? Oh, yeah. We have a bistro that's been open to the public since, oh, 2007. Okay, wait. Uh, you got to tell me about this. Every Wednesday and Friday. All right. Uh, uh, Wednesday and Friday nights during the uh, spring and fall. Yeah. During the summer, we do lunch on Tuesday, Wednesday and Fridays. And ours, it's student-operated. Of course, we have, I, I, I did that for four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chef Caston, but every, they're rotating us out every once in a while to get different um, people to teach it. And half the semester, the students, uh, well, there's usually, usually about 18 to 24 students, and we work them in teams mm-hmm. so that they all have a, a leadership um, position, such as executive chef and sous chef or captain and uh, major in the dining room. Right. So they have the semester. Some of them work in the front of the house, and the other, then they switch around and they go to the back of the house. Gotcha. They develop their own menus, recipes, <clears throat> and they do it all with our supervision. But it's a deal. I mean, wow. we... we we're booked sometimes the whole semester. Why, it's hands-on oh, wow. training. Hands-on. It's great yeah. training. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I had some students, I'm not carrying a, a, a tray. I said, oh, yes, you yes, are. Yes, you are. <laughs> and they have to learn how to, uh, you know, do requisitions, how to go to our suppliers. It's a great training tool. And the kids love it. We are very, very, uh, very appreciative that the community is so supportive because people from the university and mm-hmm. people from the community, we have people that come in from New Orleans. Orleans and yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Road trip here. Yeah, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful deal. Yeah, and it's yeah. it's only like forty five dollars for a four, three to four meal, three to four course meal. Holy cow! Oh, that sounds so good. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a. We don't serve bad food. No, well, no. of course not. Uh uh-uh. <laughs> Can't do that. <laughs> no. So it's it's a good after that after that class. I'll have a lot of students that said that was a turning point in their college uh, program because it really gave them a. Uh, you know, realistic idea of what goes on in the real world. Gotcha. That's fantastic. I mean, yeah. that's, and, and, and you've got the, the groundbreaking for this new place. It's uh, 
that's uh, just started, huh? Yeah, we should. We should hopefully spring. Uh, I mean, the fall of 2014, okay. if everything works. But you know, we never can say that it's written in stone. Well, yeah. we, we'll just pray for the weather, right? We got to make pray, sure pray. the weather's all right. That's we need to take a quick break. You're listening to the Catholic Foodie Show on You Supported Real Life Radio. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to the Catholic Foodie Show on You Supported Real Life Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Young, and we are going to uh, resume here our interview with Marcel Bienvenu. Tell me, guys, what y'all been doing? Have y'all been going to the farmer's markets? Yes, Ooh. indeed. Yes, indeed. In fact, uh, that's what I wanted to talk to you about, too, is, you know, this is, well, it's tomato time, it's shrimp time. You it's know, we got corn we, time, okra. Yeah. And, um, you know, I always tell people during the summer, especially when there's so many uh, fruits and vegetables available, to let the market, whatever's at the market, dictate your menu for your, for your meals. Yeah. And, uh, you know, right now there's, uh, yesterday, I, I should never put an all-call out. Be careful what you ask for. Yeah. I was wanting some eggplant, and yesterday somebody uh, from near Lauraville brought me 20 <laughs> eggplant, and I went, uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, same with corn, but yeah, I make makshu, and then what I do when I make makshu, because I scrape the, cor- the cob, yeah, yeah. and I keep that, and I make a, 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 a corn broth, a corn stock. Okay, with the, with the cob. To make corn soup. All right. And you can use some of your corn that you have scraped off to make makshu. Mm-hmm. You can use those wonderful tomatoes. You can put some uh, smoked sausage or ham. You can put shrimp if you want. Yes. And I put that in the freezer for when those cold winds blow. Yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. Now, what do you do when you get 20 eggplants? Well, last night I stuffed about eight of them. Okay. And my husband promptly ate two whole two halves without even blinking an eye. Oh, yeah. And um, <laughs> He's not a big guy either. He's not a, you know, I don't know how he does that. I know. Bless his heart. Yeah. And uh, then I also put up a uh, Smothered, uh, smothered the eggplant with some Italian sausage so that I can later make a rice eggplant dressing with that, oh, which I really mm. like. It really has a wonderful It, it freezes flavor. good, right? I'm sorry? It freezes good. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So so you make um, the, the dressing and the, and, the, and, the, and the stuffed eggplants and just kind of put them away too, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, but, you know, the, right, and then, it's, you know, everything's so beautiful. The blueberries, the strawberries. Oh, my goodness. Uh, at Red Stick Market <laughs> the other day, there was just, a, a, you know, all kinds. I mean, I came home and I said, oh, what have I done to myself? <laughs> um, they have a thing that's going to be in a couple of weeks called Tomato Me Crazy. Yep. I oh. remember I Tomato Me Crazy. Crazy. A couple of years ago, and I, yeah. you know, it, it's it's just the right time to do that. Yeah, yeah. This, now let me ask y'all something. Have y'all found some good Creoles yet? Yeah, Jeff found some Creoles, but he said they weren't good. What'd you find? I haven't found anything good yet. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm wondering. You, you, I don't know if, if you know anything about this, but uh, we we had a long discussion just the other day, my wife and I, with a friend of ours who is also an avid uh, uh, Creole tomato lover, and they just don't taste the same this year. I know. My heart is broken. Now I got a, an email the other day from a lady down in Bell Chase. She said, mm-hmm. you come to my, I said, well, okay, I'll come to your house. But what they're labeling as Creole tomatoes, not that they're bad, they no. just 
not what I remember as good old Creole tomatoes tasted like. I mean, I'm, I'm wondering um, if it has to do with the uh, maybe the, the change in the soil after the storms. I, I don't know. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's a mystery. It's got to be the weather. It says it's been cooler. Well, maybe? we had a cool uh, spring. Yeah. So tomatoes are a little bit late this year. Yeah. And I did go, you know, make. A, I went to my neighbor's the other day and hung on his fence with my sad face. He said, what's the matter? I said, I haven't had a good tomato yet. <laughs> so he brought me a couple of them, and they best boys or better boys or yeah, something. Yeah. Right. And they were fabulous. They were good. So I don't know. Maybe it's just the time. It's not ready yet. Yeah, we've just we've had some good heirlooms that we've gotten from yeah. the farmers market, but not uh, not any creoles that, no, were, that were good. I so. got a few the other day from Ponchatoula that were pretty good. They but they took a long time, but they were kind of green, so mm-hmm. I had to let them sit out right. for a while. Right. Maybe it's right. too early. Maybe maybe yeah, that's nuts. what I'm saying. Maybe it is too early. You know, because we had we had it's just now starting to get hot, and, and yeah. it is a little late for it to be getting this right. Hot, right. Know? So I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm complaining a lot more that it's hot, but yeah. uh, yeah. I, I complain <laughs> earlier in the year. You know that it was hot, but it's always hot in uh, South Louisiana in the summertime. But you know what? Despite the heat, we still have to eat, right? Uh, We have to eat and we have to cook. Uh, Doesn't matter how how hot it is outside. Marcel is like the, the she's the called the queen of Cajun cooking now. I mean, <laughs> you know she she yep. knows her stuff. She's been involved in lots of different uh, projects too. I know, uh, Marcel. I was going to mention this to you. I was uh, talking to someone earlier about the fact that I have a wedding uh, anniversary coming up later uh-huh. this year, and uh, when I came into marriage, I brought your book, your cookbook, "Who's Your Mama? Are You Catholic? Can You Make a Rue?" That I brought that into the marriage. My wife brought in uh, Emerald Lagasse and Marcel Bienvenu, Louisiana Real and Rust. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good book. And yeah. we, we use these two books all the time. Yeah, those are very basic traditional um, uh, recipes. I think we tried to stay as true to the, um, the 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 local cuisine as possible. What's really scaring me sometimes is that everybody calls everything Cajun, and you just put yep. pepper in it, and it I go, no, right. no. It burns your mouth. Um, it's Cajun. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we felt. I feel that both of those books are very traditional. That's what I like about them too. They're really not. Uh, when you go through these cookbooks, you're like every, every recipe you come across, you say, "I can do that." You know. Yeah. There's and, nothing uh, exotic in there. Yeah. Uh, and you know, now you can get Cajun products. You know, I mean, Zatarans yeah. and Community Call anywhere. You know. Mm-hmm. There's nothing in there that you can't usually find, or at least find a substitute. And I, I recall speaking with you a while back uh, about that book in particular, The uh, Real and Rustic, and uh, you had mentioned something about the way you tested the recipes. They were done in a real kitchen? Yes. We, we tested them in, in a home kitchen rather than ah. in, the, in a kitchen at the restaurant. So they're all really cookable. And, you know, because I always say this, and I'm sure every chef is going to come and stab me in the back. <laughs> I think chefs have a hard time writing a recipe for home use because there used to be in a big kitchen where there's everything you know where I I don't I don't make stock every day of every kind Um, and they're used to having things uh, you know pre-done right right so and uh, you know bless their hearts I I used to fuss at Emerald and even Paul Prudhoff you know and said we have to think about these poor little people in their little houses what what they have to do Mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. achieve that recipe right we don't have somebody uh, prepping before we walk in the kitchen and say all right is everything ready for me and I think another book I helped with which is a really cute book was uh, Eula May's Cajun Kitchen that's right. She was the the cook at McElhenney for years, 
and she was a delight to work with because she um, she taught me a lot. She, I, she didn't want to do the book at all, and you know, I had my little uh, measuring cups, my measuring. She says, "Oh, I don't do that." I said, well, they have to do it because the poor little lady in in Wyoming, she needs to know how many drops of Tabasco or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I remember um, when we started doing the testing, uh, Mr. McElhenney, Paul McElhenney, who passed away not too long ago, said, "Now, if y'all need anything, y'all go buy some new pots and pans." I went, "Oh boy!" Mm-hmm. So I said, "Miss Eula, we could go get some new new pots and pans." Mm-hmm. She said, "Honey, I can't cook in book in in uh, in uh, pans. I don't know." And I went. You mean we can't go spend any money? Yeah. <laughs> and even she had to go cook in New York City one time, and we had to ship her pots up there. Her own pots. Wow. Because she wouldn't cook with any new pots. Oh, but it is true. I mean, you just but get you know, to where you can hop them. Pots. Yeah, you know, I do. I have my utensils and I have my pots. You're absolutely yeah, right. Now, if yeah. I go to somebody else's house and I'm helping out with the cooking, it's just all yeah, weird. Yeah, you have your own personal, it's your own yeah. personal uh, pots and pans. Yeah. It, it, otherwise, it gets all weird. We were talking about uh, we were talking about the stuff that's fresh. Uh, uh-huh. fresh, fresh at the uh, the farmers markets, you know, in in New Orleans and in Baton Rouge. And let's see, this year we were talking. I mean, this <laughs> this week we were talking about uh, tomatoes. We were talking shrimp. We were talking blueberries. Y'all got any recipes y'all want to throw out? At well, us? I have one that I think is really good right. with corn and zucchini and tomatoes. Oh. Oh, okay, wow. all right. And you know, you can get the corn off that cob, mm-hmm. cook it in, in a little bit of butter and olive oil with some onions. You can add some tomatoes. Mm. You can add in some chopped uh, zucchini or yellow, uh, summer squash, yellow squash. Okay. Then you add some pepper cheese, oh, pepper jack ooh, cheese. Yeah. Really? And let it cook and get creamy. Yeah. You add a little milk or cream if you want. It is some good. My goodness. Wow. I mean, is that served like in a... I just eat it. You just, it's served on <laughs> your plate. I'm sure okay. if I was Martha Stewart, I'd put it in a, or maybe Paul Prudup, put it in a little, maybe in a little zucchini boat. Yeah, a little, uh, okay. And put it in the oven or something and yeah. put the cheese on top. Kind of melt it and brown it and make it all pretty and everything. Mm-hmm. But you, you just don't throw and, it in your dish uh, and eat my it. My other yeah. thing about, my other corn thing I like is uh, roasting corn. Okay. Oh, wow. And I saw something the other day uh, in, I don't know, either my Severa magazine, where, you know, you peel back uh, the husk and you take all the silk out, okay. but don't tear away the um, the husk. Right. And make yourself a lime and salt and black pepper and butter. All right. Softened butter. And then just smear it all over the corn kernels, then wrap it back up. You can mm. tie it with a, a string or whatever. And slow roast them either on your grill or in your oven. That's a good one for this wow. coming up. Wasn't that, uh, doesn't that sound July? I, I, haven't had that. That. I haven't had roasted corn in years. It all right. good. All right, so you just soften the butter up. Squeeze yep, a little, a little lime juice in there. And little black pepper. pepper and a little lime juice. Yeah, yeah. Okay, lime juice. Sorry. Right. Of course, my husband said, "Well, why, it's kind of, why not lemon?" I said, "Just use the lime juice. Please <laughs> mm-hmm. trust me." And uh, it really has a nice flavor. I bet it does. Boy, that really does sound good. And mm-hmm. then, and then, and then you wrap, then you wrap the husks back. Yeah, on there. And, I mean, if you want to, you can take the husk off, but you can use you wrap them in foil or something. I but, got you. You know, just don't take all the husk off and just take the silk out. Mm-hmm. And then we'll wrap them back up. That's going to lend a little flavor. Wow, that's good. Jeff, you got a recipe? A res- well, I don't know if I have a recipe right now. My wife did this, though, just because, um, right. yeah, I don't bake. Uh, okay. Tip- yeah. Well, I do king cakes from scratch. That's because you got to measure. Other than that, I don't really bake a whole lot. That and pizzas from, from scratch. But yeah. um, my her. wife my wife made um, uh, a blueberry cobbler mm-hmm. uh, twice this past week because, uh, or two weeks ago now, uh, 
um, because we had two different celebrations. Father's Day, of course, she mm-hmm. made one then, and then I, I, my birthday actually was a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but she made this this blueberry cobbler from blueberries we got at the the uh, market uh, the, at the market. Yeah, yeah. And man, it was the uh, fresh. It was simple. You don't over sugar it, right? Don't over sweeten it. Allow yeah. the fruit to kind of yeah take Pop care out, of yeah. that. And uh, it it was a little ice cream on yeah. top, you know, mm-hmm. fresh ice cream that we got. Actually, we got the ice cream at the market too. Oh, uh, yeah. It's a, a new company. They're they're making this. It's uh, cream cheese ice cream. It's called Flippin' Amazing Ice Cream. Like Creole cream cheese ice cream. It's a. Uh, I don't know if it's Creole cream yeah. cheese, but it's well, Creole. It's, it's cream cheese ice cream. It's wait, amazing. Wait, what's it called? Yeah, Flippin' Amazing. Amazing ice cream. Flipping amazing. Right. Well, last night I had a lot of blueberries, and then I cooked them down, and then squeezed all the juice out, mm-hmm. and used that in my homemade ice cream. Oh, it's so was good. good, and the color is beautiful. We have to take a break here on the uh, the Catholic Foodie Show on Real Life Radio, but we're going to be back in just a minute. Don't go anywhere. Marcel's going to talk with us about summer shrimp. I can't wait, and uh, we'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to the Catholic Foodie Show on Real Life Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Young, and we are talking today with Marcel Bienvenu. This is a show from the archives of the Catholic Foodie with uh, my co-host, David Dawson, talking with Marcel Bienvenu, author of Who's Your Mama? Are You Catholic? And Can You Make a Rue? And uh, we are going to resume our conversation with Marcel talking about summer shrimp. I bet it is. All right, y'all. It's shrimp season. Well, you know, I haven't had my good shrimp from the... We usually go down to Vermilion Bay, to Marsh Island, and, and, uh, you know, do cast nets. Right. But I have to call my friend Mr. Pat Caffrey, because he owes me a trip up over there for shrimp and Mm. crabs. Ooh. And are you throwing your own cast nets out there? Yeah, we go to this little levee, like little dams. Yeah, yeah. On on, uh, Marsh Island. Yeah. And if you get there early enough... You can come in there a little corner because everybody goes there. But we catch, last summer, we caught about six pounds with cast nets within two hours. Oh, wow. Wow. oh my goodness. I mean, it was fabulous. Wow. I mean, when you get home and the shrimp is still jumping. Yes, oh, that's good. <laughs> wow, that, is, that has got to taste. You know, and really, I'm all about cooking uh, the shrimp with the head on. I mean, almost in everything that I Well, is that where cook. all the flavor is? Yes, oh, Well, the fat, you know. Yeah. The fat is yeah. where the flavor is. That is good. <laughs> that is good. Because <laughs> a lot of times you get both shrimp. I mean, what's better than crawfish fat? Oh, oh God. Next fat. to nothing. Crab I mean, fat, hey. yeah. Crab fat is <laughs> the best. That is good. I'm sorry. That is the best. That that rules everything. Well, that's, uh, you know, that's, I mean, barbecue shrimp. We love doing barbecue shrimp, yeah. which is an interesting thing, you know, because it's, it's not, not really barbecued. No. I know. But uh, we love it. And, yeah. And you get and it's that good and easy and everything. You know, simple. It's messy. You have to put a bib on. At least I do. Man, you're uh, wallowing in you, it. And you have to have a, 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 a loaf or two of French bread handy, yes. too. Yep, yep. Can't that's let good. that good stuff go. And but, you can also throw shrimp into some mock shoes. Oh, okay. that's right. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think that's pretty darn good, too. You're doing that, too. You know, I, I was going to say my, my barbecue shrimp recipe is, I mean, the key to that, I guess I'll just let that ring. Uh, the, the key to that is the shrimp has to be dry. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I, that that's where I, when I first started to do it, I would really mess up. I wouldn't get the shrimp dry enough. And so the shrimp would give off its own water when it was cooking with the butter. Yeah. You know? And I would have this wet mess, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and so what I wound up doing was taking the shrimp and I would put it uh, in newspaper and let it dry a little bit yeah. on the 
my newspaper. Yep. And then I would do it, and oh man, it made all the difference in the world. But the head has to be on. Oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, because the, the 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 head made part of the gravy with the with the butter. It was butter, um, a lemon juice, a whole lot of black pepper. I mean, covering the shrimp to where you can't see it, black Some, pepper. Uh, what's your, your, your sauce? A little bit of that. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's right. And, and not much else. Uh, maybe a little garlic for laughs. And, you can and, put a little bit of fresh herbs. That's another thing of my... I love summertime because I have all my fresh herbs. Yeah, yeah. But you can put a little thyme in there. You can put a little bit of rosemary. It, it, it just cooks up so easy, too. Yeah, it's right? good. Do it you, do just, it in, uh, you don't need a whole lot in there. Do you do it in the butter, oven or do you do it... shrimp and lemon juice and uh, what, you know, what else do you need? Yeah. Except the, your French bread to dip it in. A lot of that, too. And the thing, I mean, it's quick, too, because shrimp, you know, they, yeah. they don't cook very long. Do you guys do it in a pot or you do it in the oven? Well, I do it in the oven, but the other day at school, one of the students, when we wanted them to have a little action station at one of the, we did, I do a buffet once or twice a year. Right. And he said, look, I'm going to make it, you know, as an action station. I said, go ahead, Jacob. And, um, you know, he just, he would put, he had made a little bit of uh, uh, the, the, the sauce. Yeah. You know, lemon juice and butter and all that. And he'd put it in the skillet and put like five or six shrimp and he'd shake it around. Mm-hmm. And then he added a little bit of brandy and flamed that. Oh, oh wow. Now you've gone oh, yeah, beyond nice. barbecue shrimp. I don't know yeah, what to call that. Yeah, a little piece of toasted French bread, and everybody was happy. Oh, I oh, bet everybody good. was really happy. Yeah. So, golly, that is, that, that, that's another good one. It's also crab season, y'all. I know. So. I'm, I'm, they, they, I'm hearing that there's a shortage of crabs in the in Lake Pontchartrain. Is it? That's what I've heard, too. And mm-hmm. I, I don't, I mean, that, I, we we still catching them at, at uh, on the Million Bay, but yeah. um, in New Orleans, there's been a little hiccup or something. I don't know what's happening. Well, I got a report from Grand Isle said they're running. So, they're running there? Uh, yeah, yeah, they're doing mm-hmm. all right in Grand Isle. Well, there was some at Rouse's um, in uh, Thibodeau the other right. day when I was there, and I think it was, who they weren't cheap, $9 a dozen or oh, something, no. but they were beautiful. Yeah, they, they had them. still a... crawling around. And beautiful. Yeah, they, they they were big. I mean, it was, it was they were good size. Yeah, I saw right. them at uh, Rouse's in Covington too right, uh, right. the other day, and they were two ninety nine a pound. Cool. Well, you know, you know, everybody, uh, my students are too lazy, <laughs> bless their hearts. Uh, you know, they say, why you why you just why do you want to hit ball crabs? You have to work so hard. Yep, that's all. I said, well, hey, but the the, the result is good. Yeah. Oh yeah. Not only that, it's an event. You know, that's that's kind of what we 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 talk about with this show around the table. Is it gets you around that table visiting for hours, right? I yeah. mean, the, the, the crab is lanyap. I mean, the crab is awesome, delicious. But you're visiting, you're having a good time. And the crab so. goes so well with like beer, you know. Well, and, now you know that's a really important part there. Absolutely. Gotta, <laughs> so it's an event, and you you get to hang out and talk and get to yeah. know each other. And, and that's why you know I teach a class on culinary history of the American South, and during that class, I really. Teach these because I have students that are not from this area that you know eating at the table together is such a a, a wonderful uh, thing to do yeah yeah you know uh, no it's matter important. what you're cooking or you know to involve people in cooking because that's how you learn about different cuisines mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and especially these the, some of our students that are not from this area they think it's fabulous yeah yeah you know having big crawfish balls or a crab boil or it's making probably... a gumbo they think you know some of them have just gone what are y'all yeah, yeah. <laughs> Y'all cooking all the time. You're cooking all the time, and you're sitting around eating all yeah. the time. And, and and I do think that we gain a lot more than this just uh, uh, sitting around eating good food. I mean, it, it again, most importantly, like uh, Jeff and I are always talking about. I learned a great deal at my table, mm-hmm. you know, uh, mm-hmm. with, with my family, and uh, I just it just you, you grow in all kind of ways. Right. <laughs> that, that's how relationships are are, are formed. Are formed. Yeah. You know, after I have four hour labs every day at school. Yeah, and you know, I, I'm 
may be cooking in the um, you know fruits and vegetables, and the next class is doing is a baking class, or maybe the class on the other side is soup stocks and sauces. Right. And at the end of our four hours, we join and have have lunch. Yeah, yeah. There and I think this is it's, it's a great way for these students to get to know each other because they spend a lot of time with each other. Yeah, see, that uh, in, so that, in, in culinary. That's so, so important. So it's really a great way to break bread. Yes, indeed. Well, Marcel, thanks a bunch. It's so good talking to you again. Okay, you, you, you going to join us again? Yeah, sure. All right, well. Y'all take it easy, guys. All right, you too. Thanks, Marcel. Don't eat too much. <laughs> I will try not to. Okay, <laughs> bye-bye. Right, bye-bye. All right. What a pleasure. What a pleasure it is talking with Marcel Bienvenu. You know, I talk about uh, stories of, of Marcel uh, often, and I share those with, uh, with folks here on the radio and also talk in public. You know, when, I'm, when I'm, uh, people ask me questions about recipes, I always like to refer back to some things that she told me back in 2009, uh, which was very helpful, very helpful uh, to me uh, when it comes to recipes. Because and I, and the way that I say it is this, you know, there are no recipe police out there. It's not like uh, not like the mattress patrol, right? You, if you you cut the tags off your mattress, uh, the police are going to probably find out about it, come and arrest you. We know that that that's against the law, but there are not police out there who are going to try to uh, you know hunt you down because you're not following a recipe to a T. Uh, Marcel likes to say that uh, you know you cook according to your taste. You know you like extra salt in yours or extra cayenne or less uh, less of this or that, then then just adjust the recipe, just change it, and uh, there's. There's no harm in doing that. Now, of course, that really does assume that you have some understanding and some experience with cooking. Um, I think that uh, if you if you don't have experience uh, with cooking, then of course you're going to depend on a recipe. You really depend on a recipe to to give you to guide you and to let you know what uh, what what ingredients go well together and in what proportions. Uh, but if you are used to cooking, then uh, you know the recipe is really more of just uh, guidelines of you know helping you along to, uh, to give you uh, guidance on, on good things that go well together and, uh, and then you have a lot of freedom. A lot of freedom there, a lot of creative expression uh, in how you put a dish together. Now, I want to tell you a little bit more about Marcel just to let you know. Uh, we didn't really catch this at the beginning of the show, but Marcel Bienvenue uh, is known as the queen of Cajun cooking. She's born and raised in St. Martinville, which is in southwest Louisiana. You know, she grew up where, as she says, uh, good cooking was almost as large an article of faith as the Catholic religion. Uh, as a child, her daily life was filled with good food, like freshly baked uh, sweet potatoes slathered with homemade butter and drizzled with locally made pure cane syrup, uh, dark and deliciously thick gumbos made with whatever was in season, from chicken and sausage to fresh-caught seafood from the local waters to the occasional rabbit or wild duck. Uh, she also savored spicy jambalaya that often contained shrimp, smoked sausage, and chunks of tomatoes. Uh, professionally, Marcel started out as a writer, a food writer to be exact. Uh, she wrote for the Times-Picayune of New Orleans, a newspaper of New Orleans. Uh, and also served as a researcher and consultant to uh, Time Life Books, contributing to many projects, including Foods of the World, American Cooking Creole and Acadian, and The American Wilderness, The Bayous. Marcel has also worked with many publications such as Food and Wine, Southern Living, Red Book, uh, The New York Times, and Savour. Uh, and she's also a host of other local publications. Uh, she may well... Uh, be most well-known locally for a little book that she published in 1991 called Who's Your Mama? Are You Catholic? And Can You Make a Rue? A sequel to that book uh, followed in 19. 19- 
1998. From 1992 to 2005, Marcel worked on many special projects with uh, Chef Emeril Lagasse, including several cookbooks like Louisiana Real and Rustic, Emeril's Creole Christmas, Emeril's TV Dinners, and Every Day's a Party. She also contributed to the following Emeril cookbooks, uh, Emeril Primetime, from Emeril's Kitchens, Emerald's Potluck, and Emerald's Del Monaco, a restaurant with a past. In 2002, Marcel co-authored Eula May's Cajun Kitchen with Eula May Dore. Uh, she also co-authored Stir the Pot, the true story of Cajun cuisine with Carl Brasso and Ryan Brasso in 2005. And she's also the author of Cajun Cooking for Beginners and more recently, No Baloney on My Boat, which you heard about a little bit in that interview. In addition to writing about food, Marcel has had quite a career as a chef. Her professional cooking started in the 1970s when she was hired to work at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. While there, Ella Brennan took Marcel under her wing and taught her the ins and outs of the restaurant business. From uh, 1981 to 1984, she owned and operated her own restaurant in Lafayette, Louisiana, called Chez Marcel. We do need to take a break, so we're going to do that just in a minute. Well, we're going to do it right now. This is the Catholic Foodie Show on Real Life Radio. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back in just a minute, and uh, I'm going to bring, I'm going to give you a recipe for shrimp and okra gumbo. Welcome back to the Catholic Foodie Show on Real Life Radio. You supported Real Life Radio. Uh, I'm Jeff Young, your host, and uh, we've been talking today uh, with Marcel Bienvenu. Uh, before the break, I was telling you a little bit about Marcel, and I wanted to kind of finish that up real quick before giving you a recipe for shrimp and okra gumbo. Uh, you know, Marcel, in addition to all the other things that I mentioned before the break, she also worked with uh, Chef Paul Prudhomme at K. Paul's Kitchen, uh, K. Paul's Louisiana Kitchen, and also with Chef Emerald Lagasse uh, at Commander's Palace. You know, currently, uh, Marcel teaches culinary arts at the Chef John Fulce uh, Culinary Institute on the campus of Nichols State University in Thibodeau, Louisiana. And uh, I've already said this before, but I'm going to say it again. Marcel Bienvenu is one of my early culinary mentors. Um, as I say on the radio show um, often, and, and, and I've said it in the podcast, I've said it many times actually, you know, I brought one of her cookbooks, Who's Your Mama, Are You Catholic, and Can You Make a Rue, into marriage almost 15 years ago. And my wife brought uh, another of Marcel's books into our marriage, the one that she, one of the ones that she uh, co-authored with uh, uh, with uh, Emeril Lagasse, Louisiana Real and Rustic. Uh, both cookbooks are excellent, and uh, Marcel is always, always an absolute delight. She is truly a classy Southern lady, and uh, it was such a privilege to have her uh, again on the show with us today. Now, you know, we talked a little bit uh, in the in the show earlier in the interview about uh, shrimp. You know, it's shrimp season. Uh, last uh, Friday, I gave uh, gave a number of uh, recipes. Actually, I did it last Monday and last Friday. A lot of uh, recipes featuring shrimp because it is a shrimp season. Shrimp are, are plentiful right now. And, you know, another thing that is in season at the moment is um, uh, uh, okra. You know, okra is in season. I'm going to try to pull this up while I'm talking to you. Um, I, as a child, I hated, 
hated okra. My mother loved it. My mother loved to fry okra. And to me, it tastes kind of like licorice and did not have a, I didn't like the taste. I also really didn't like the texture of it. And, you know, some people, even today, I, I hear people complain about okra being too slimy. They don't like it because it's slimy. But, you know, that's the funny thing because the sliminess of okra is exactly one of the reasons why it is such a good thing to use in gumbos. You know, gumbo is a lot like uh, a stew. Uh, but it's different. It is, it is something that is, um, uh, it, I guess, uh, particular to South Louisiana. You have gumbo in, in the Southwest, also the Southeast, and in Cajun country, and also in the Creole Creole world, uh, which is more centralized in the New Orleans area, the Creoles. And, you know, it, it's funny because typically you think of gumbo, and gumbo is a, a soup or a stew or anything along those lines, is typically something that you would um, – enjoy in the wintertime, right? It's cold, and so you want to have a soup or or a stew or, or something like that. And, and of course, down here, we make gumbo in the winter. I mean, every Christmas, I do. I celebrate Christmas. One of the things I make every year, it's just traditional, is a big seafood gumbo. And we do it once a year because the seafood is quite expensive. And so to make a big, big pot of seafood gumbo is uh, it's a chunk of change. And so it's something that we usually save for special times, special celebrations like uh, like Christmas. And of course, because uh, Christmas time it's cold, uh, it makes sense to do a gumbo. Gumbo is a um, a very good thing. I love it. But it's odd because shrimp and okra gumbo is a dish that I do make in the summer. Uh, you kind of think of it, I think of it at least, as something that would be for the wintertime. But here's the thing, and it's almost like God is playing a trick on us here. <laughs> The thing is, is that in the summertime in June, uh, shrimp are in season and okra is in season. So when it's in season, you got to cook with it, right? Now, I will say that both do freeze very well. You can freeze shrimp and uh, they will keep. That's why we can have fresh shrimp year round. Uh, they freeze very well. And okra does freeze well. So you can always have fresh okra. You prepare it, uh, maybe chop it, uh, cut it up, slice it, whatever. And you can freeze that in, in baggies, uh, trying to get all the all the air out uh, there so it doesn't get freezer burnt. And uh, I like to store things in the freezer like that. Um, I put them into paper bags too. And then uh, and, you know, the, the plastic bags are foil and then also uh, paper bags to help to prevent um, freezer burn. Uh, but it, it, it's in season. And so I have been known from time to time since it's fresh to make a very hot uh, shrimp and okra gumbo in the summertime. <laughs> I can't help it. And guess what? Even though it's hot outside, we just turn the air down in the house, turn the air conditioning down a little bit, and it, it's all, it all works out. You know, it all works out. So when you talk about a gumbo, what makes a gumbo a gumbo? Well, you know, as all good Cajuns and Creoles know, a gumbo always starts with a roux, which is equal parts of flour and oil. Roux really has two purposes. It colors the gumbo and also thickens it. And since uh, gumbo is always thick and rich, uh, roux are oh so important. Uh, but I have to tell you that making a roux is an act of love. You know, it does take time. Um, if you ask several different cooks from South Louisiana how long it takes to make a roux, you'll get answers that range from two beers to two Bloody Marys to two sides of a Louis Armstrong album. <laughs> Everybody has a different approach, but since it's uh, so easy to burn a roux, you can't leave it, you know. Um, I used to take the easy road. I'd keep the burner on medium-low, but that just took way too long. Uh, like, you know, 
four beers too long. So since that's just not good for your health, I had to make a change. And now I make my roux at medium high heat. And it usually takes about 15 minutes. Uh, but a roux for a gumbo has to be the color of dark chocolate. So you want to bring it to the gates of burndom, um, but then don't don't go into the gates. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to burn the roux. There's no salvation there. You have to start all over again. Uh, and then, you know, once what I what I like to do is I get it to that that color of dark chocolate, and then I add the Trinity, which, uh, as I've mentioned before here on the show, is a chopped uh, onion, bell pepper, and celery. So we add that. Uh, a lot of that goes right there into the roux to help to prevent it from from burning, because once it gets into the into the roux, it's going to immediately cool down uh, cool down the pot. Uh, now you hear a lot of Louisiana folks talk about the Trinity, and you know they're not really talking theology, as I mentioned. You know, down here when it comes to cooking, the Trinity means onions, bell peppers, and celery, uh, the basic ingredients to lots of Cajun Creole dishes. I keep wanting to have them change the celery out, though, to put garlic in there. But uh, the powers that be, whoever decides uh, the usage of, of words and things like you know what the Trinity consists of, they will hear nothing of it. So we're stuck with uh, onions, bell peppers, and celery. I just make up for it by adding extra garlic, though. So, ha. <laughs> now, uh, why okra in a shrimp and okra gumbo? I do have a roux. I certainly do use a roux. But in addition to that, we use the okra. Why? The okra is going to add uh, a lot of, it will also add some thickening uh, to to a gumbo. Uh, some cooks want to cook the slime out, so to speak. You put that in quotes, cook the slime out uh, of the okra before adding it to a gumbo. But here's the deal. Okra is an excellent thickener. Even if you try to cook the slime out before adding it to gumbos, it really doesn't matter. Adding it raw is just the same. The slime will cook out uh, after being added to the gumbo. And in the recipe that I'm going to share with you, uh, I do uh, brown the okra first uh, before adding it to the gumbo. And I do that in bacon grease, or as some of my more culinary sophisticated uh, uh, friends will say, bacon renderings. So uh, it has a fantastic flavor uh, to the uh, to the okra and in turn to uh, the gumbo. And uh, so anyway, that, that's a good thing to do. And what do you need for this? I know that we're getting close on time here. I hope I have enough time to give you the full the full recipe. Um, I actually use canola oil uh, for the roux because it has a high smoke point. It's not going to burn as as easily as olive oil. Let's say I wouldn't. I would not use olive oil for a uh, for a roux. So you need one cup of uh, canola oil and a one cup of all-purpose flour, four to five uh, sweet yellow onions chopped, four, uh, two green bell peppers chopped, two stalks of celery chopped, uh, six cloves of garlic minced, uh, six strips of bacon. Um, and, you know, let's see, two pounds of uh, frozen okra that's cut and then thawed, two cans of, uh, cans of Rotel diced tomatoes with chilies, uh, eight cups of shrimp stock, and there's a recipe on catholicfoodie.com for shrimp stock if you don't have one. Uh, one and this, this recipe, too, by the way, is on catholicfoodie.com, shrimp and okra gumbo. You can look it up if you don't uh, have anything to write it down with or if I'm going too fast. Uh, eight cups of shrimp stock, I said that, one cup of dry white wine, a teaspoon of uh, red pepper flakes, two teaspoons of kosher salt, two teaspoons of some sort of Cajun or Creole seasoning, uh, 
I like Conrico or Tony Sachery's. Uh, two bay leaves, five pounds of medium or large shrimp, peeled and deveined. Uh, one cup of green onions and a half a cup of parsley chopped. The green onions and the parsley is chopped. And for the roux, what you're going to do over medium-high heat, you add the oil and uh, you let that heat until it begins to sizzle. Then you add the flour in there and you whisk to incorporate. You want to continue whisking without ceasing until the roux reaches the, the color of dark chocolate. Uh, very, very easy to burn the roux. You don't want to do that. Once the roux reach the uh, desired color, add the onions, bell peppers, and celery and the garlic. Stir that well and allow it to cool down. For about five minutes or so, you want the veggies to soften, become translucent. Uh, once the veggies uh, have softened and become translucent, remove it from the heat and set it aside. Now, for the okra, you know you want to heat uh, a high-sided skillet over medium-high heat. Uh, I add the bacon. I cook that down until it's crispy, and I leave that grease in there. You know, In the drippings uh, from the bacon, I add the garlic, and I want to cook that down, too. For about 12 to 15 minutes, uh, stirring occasionally, then I add the rotel tomatoes, including the juice. Uh, and then what I want to do is in a, in a gumbo stock pot, I add the roux and the stock. I heat that on medium heat, medium high heat, actually. I add the okra. And then I stir that well to incorporate all the ingredients. I add the wine, the bay leaves, the red pepper flakes, the salt, the Cajun seasoning or Creole seasoning. I stir that well and uh, bring it to a simmer. And then I allow it to simmer for about 20 minutes. Reduce the heat to medium-low. Allow it to continue to simmer. Taste for seasoning and thickness, uh, make any adjustments necessary. And then I make rice according to whatever method I, I use. If you have a rice cooker or you cook it on the stove, however you do that is fine. You can make the rice. Um, and then about just a few minutes before you're ready to actually serve this gumbo, maybe five minutes or so before, you're going to add the shrimp. I usually only add the shrimp just a few minutes before. They don't take long to cook at all, uh, maybe five minutes or so to cook, uh, and then you're ready to eat. And if I'm making a really big pot, I'll even uh, add uh, add just a little bit of shrimp at a time. But we're out of time today, folks. This is the Catholic Foodie Show on Real Life Radio. I hope that you've enjoyed your time today. Uh, stay tuned. We'll, we'll be back tomorrow. And until then, bon appetit.